0: If you're watching online, if you're here, if you're here for the first time, joining us for the first time, want to greet you and welcome you. My name is Mark. I serve as one of the elders here, and it's my privilege to bring the sermon, to bring the message this morning. This morning, we're beginning a short series, a three-week series called Life Along the Way. If you're new here, back in May, two churches combined, Sojourn and, and Redeeming Grace Church combined, and... One of the things that uh, Sojourn Church did was they, uh, you, you all had a, a series called Life Along the Way and as, as uh, different topics would come up from time to time they would sort of drop into that uh, series that, that could be carried forward and um, as we combined churches we thought that would be a great idea to just keep Life Along the Way rolling forward and so these next three messages are Life Along the Way messages. The, the design behind these next three weeks is this. What does it look like to be a disciple, to follow Jesus two years into a pandemic? What does that look like? What does it look like to have communion with God? We'll talk about that today. What does it look like to be an ambassador for Christ? We'll talk about that next week. What does it look like to love one another as a, as a congregation? So that's, that's the Life Along the Way a series that we have for these next three weeks and then we'll move into an eight-week study of Genesis 1 to 3 and what it means to be a human being, what it means to be made in God's image. So this morning, we're in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 to 31. And Carolyn Visage is gonna come and read the scripture for us this morning. Thank you, Carolyn. Isaiah 40, verses 21 to
1: 31. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth his emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. "'To whom, then, will you compare me that I should be like him?' says the Holy One. "'Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. "'He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. "'Because of the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. "'Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel?' My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord.
0: Let's pray. O great God, our creator, our redeemer, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I believe you have prepared this passage of scripture for this group of people for this day. And I pray, I pray for those who are weary. I pray for those who are worn out. I pray for those who are exhausted. I pray for renewed strength. I pray that your spirit and your word would lift the people of God the way a thermal updraft lifts an eagle in the sky. I pray every person here could know your nearness and your renewing power today. In Jesus' name, amen. So COVID has made for quite the roller coaster, hasn't it? I came across a Sunday comic recently I wanted to share with you. If you don't know what a Sunday comic is, ask someone over 40 later. <laughs> I know it's a little small, so I'll, I'll read it for you. It says, and now a message from this comic strip's creator, Stephen Pastis. Most people don't know that cartoonists have to submit their Sunday strips weeks in advance. That makes it hard to be topical. For example, today's strip, and this was from a couple of weeks ago, it was from February. Today's strip was drawn on January 8, and when I drew it, I had no idea what would be happening in the world today. So please help by picking the most apt panel below and tossing the rest. You're going to get three choices. You ready? Choice number one, the pandemic's over and our lives can return to normal. Choice number two, the virus is worse than ever and everything is bad. Choice number three, things are okay now, but will soon get worse because we're stuck in an endless loop. Thanks for your help. And Pig is over there saying, please don't pick three. Please don't pick three. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've been a one and I've been a two and I've been a three. I don't even know what I am right now. Like I was a one in early December, Omicron rolls through, then I'm a two. I'm not sure if I'm a three or a one, but... Uh, and this w- wasn't actually planned, but I realized th- this week we're, we're almost exactly two years into it. Did, did, did you realize March 8, 2020, Sunday, March 8, 2020, we, had, we just were minding our own business, going through life, and we had a Sunday morning service here, just like we'd done hundreds of times prior to that. March 15, 2020, the whole service was online. Nobody was here. And it's been crazy ever since, hasn't it? Recently had my yearly checkup with my optometrist and she was asking how I was doing. I said, I'm doing great. She said, oh, that's so good to hear. She said, I think every single person I talked to last week was tired and exhausted. That's what she said. So where is God in times like this? Where is God in times that leave you weary and exhausted? Where is God 2 years, 2 years? We had an elders meeting that that middle week in March, we said let's okay, we're going to close down for 2 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Where is God 2 years into a pandemic? Where is God for those who live in Ukraine? Where is God for those people who called this building home for the last week? Well, the answer in Isaiah 40 is that God is here with power to renew the strength of all who will wait on him. Here's the great promise. Hear God's word. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Are you one of those people this morning who needs new strength? This is for you. If you come in this morning doing great, buckle up, you're going to need this soon. That's how life works. And you probably have a friend right now who needs this too. God's promise to you is that they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. God is here this morning to persuade us to wait upon him for fresh strength. Renew, just like you renew the lease on your apartment. We need his strength in us to be renewed, to carry forward for a new time. And what does that mean? Look like. I love the little line from one of the commentaries I read this week. Ray Orland says, waiting, they who wait for the Lord, waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up. Right? Waiting is what faith does before God's answer shows up. Waiting is not passive. It's active. It's not idly sort of sitting on the couch just hoping something good will happen. Waiting is actively trusting God, actively being confident in his promises, actively remembering who he is and reminding one another of these things. Waiting is eagerly looking forward to see how God provides what you Need when you need it. To wait well, we must see. There's a seeing that's required in waiting. We must continually see and re-see our great God. And so this promise of renewed strength comes after a fresh reminding and revealing of who God is in Isaiah chapter 40. So we're going to pick it up in verse 21. We're gonna take this passage in three chunks. The first chunk is this: wait for the God who sits above the circle of the earth. Verses 21 to 24. Now here's the situation: Isaiah 36, 37, 38, 39 recount the time when Hezekiah was king of Israel. He was generally a good and godly king. But at the end of his life, he arrogantly and foolishly showed a delegation from Babylon. Babylon was the rising superpower of the day. He showed them all his, tre- his treasure and all his nation's treasure. It's like showing an alligator the steak in your refrigerator. It's just not going to go well. You do stuff like that. So Isaiah the prophet tells Hezekiah, not, not a good idea. Destruction is coming to you, to your whole household, and to this city, and nothing shall be left. So Hezekiah's pride, coupled with centuries of Israel's rebellion against God, will result then in Jerusalem being routed, the nation crushed, and the people being carried off in exile to Babylon. And that's the situation into which chapter 40 and the following chapters are speaking. Where is God when you're in exile? Where is God when your nation has been destroyed? Where is God in all this? And the answer is God is here to comfort. That's where chapter 40 starts. God is here to strengthen. That's where chapter 40 ends. Now how does that comfort and how does that strengthening come about? Well we sang this earlier today. You must behold your God. To be strengthened by God first means we must know the God who is here to strengthen us. So he says in the early part of the chapter, Behold your God. Behold the Lord comes with might. And then he begins to reveal who God is. And here we see, look back at verse 21 and keep your Bibles open. You're going to want to follow this, this passage through. Verse 21, there's a bunch of questions do you not know? Have you not, do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the f- foundations of the earth? In other words, he's saying, people of God, aren't you paying attention? Don't you remember what you've heard your whole life? And then look where he goes. Verse 22, it's he, God, who sits above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I was on an airplane this week. Justin and I went to a conference, flew to Atlanta, came back. If you've been on an airplane, you know what that experience is. You're looking out and you see down there, maybe you can see, oh, there's a little house. There's a a car or a truck. Everything's tiny because you're seated above the circle of the earth. And who are these insignificant little grasshoppers that we're talking about here? Look at the next verse, 24, 23. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. God is saying to his people, Look at all the princes the kings, the people of power, the people who are rich, the people who are famous, people like King Nebuchadnezzar, King Sennacherib, people today like Vladimir Putin, every president, every general, every movie star, every tech billionaire, people like maybe that manager at work who seems to have it in for you, that person who's bullying you online. You know what God is saying about people like that? He's saying they're as powerful and permanent as a dandelion. That's all it's going to take. They're going to be here and gone. It's true for all of us. O people of God, wait for the God who sits above the circle of the earth. Here's the second picture. Wait for the God who names the stars. Look at verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. That's an important name for God, especially Isaiah uses that name over and over. What does it mean for God to be the Holy One? Well, there's much that we could say, but one thing we can say is this. There's no one like him, one of a kind, set apart. He's the creator, everything else is is creation. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation, we sang. Sometimes I think as Christians, we get so excited about the cross, the gospel, which is wonderful, central, vital, but we can sometimes lose sight of the doctrine of God, the creator. I want you to see what Isaiah is doing here, what the Holy Spirit is doing here. He's bringing these people, he's positioning these people to a place of encouragement and strength based on who God is as creator. He's the creator. He's the holy one who, lift up your eyes and see, verse 28, who created these? What's he talking about? Go outside at night and look up. What do you see? It's not cloudy. See stars, right? Right? Who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing." So he's saying, "Look, you need a fresh reminder of who God is. Go outside at night and look up. On a clear night, what do you see? Remember, the ancient world, no electricity, no light pollution sky lit up with stars. How'd they they get here? Who created these? Many say, well, they're there by accident. Wow, that's an amazing accident. I've seen a lot of accidents. I've never seen an accident that would create galaxies. That's quite an accident. No, I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that there's a creator and a designer Behind it. And think about what you're seeing as you're seeing it. You're on a, a, plan, a, a globe here, the earth. It's spinning on an axis, right? That's how come sometimes you go outside and you see the sun. Sometimes you go outside and see stars. We're spinning at about 1,000 miles an hour. You're moving 1,000 miles an hour around and around right now. And that pl- planet that we're on, this little sphere, is rotating around the sun, right? 67,000 miles an hour. We're moving through space, spinning 1,000 miles an hour. And that sun that we're rotating around is a kind of average or maybe slightly below average star in a galaxy called the Milky Way. You know how many stars are in the Milky Way? Some estimates, 100 billion. Okay, so there's our galaxy. 100 billion stars in the galaxy. And the Milky Way is one galaxy. By some estimates, there are 100 billion galaxies. So the Hubble telescope gets up there and people see stuff like this that's never been seen before. God just made that for fun. Because that's the kind of God he is. A hundred billion stars in our galaxy. A hundred billion galaxies. Have you not heard? Because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Think about that. Every night, the stars are exactly where they're supposed to be. Isaiah said this 2,700 years ago. Almost a million nights have passed since then. And it's still true. It's still true. Not one is missing. Listen, if God can keep track of a 100 billion billion stars and call them out by name, Can God keep track of you? There's only seven or eight billion people on the planet. He's keeping track of a hundred billion billion stars and not one is missing. And he calls them out by name. Behold your God. Doesn't he know you? Creation reveals the greatness of the creator. When Jesus comes on the scene, John tells us in his gospel that all things were made through him, but one day, incredibly, the creator, by whom and through whom all things were made, you know what happened? He became part of the creation. The God who made that became part of That without sacrificing any of his divinity, he took on our humanity. Was born of a woman. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he stood where we stand. And he looked at those stars. The same stars that he created. And the same stars that he sustains. And he did that so that he could come and gather a people to be his own, a people to whom he could give new life and day by day new strength. If he can uphold that and know them by name, can't he uphold you and know you by name too? That's the God we're waiting for. And that's the third section here. Wait for the God who gives new strength. Verse 27 is a complaint from God's people. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. You know what they're saying? Saying God isn't keeping track. God isn't paying attention. And, and I can't reach him. He's disregarded my cause, is the way the NIV translates this. Trouble can lead us to think like that, can it? Trials come. Trouble comes. You can wonder, where is God? Where is God in the pain? Where is God in the mess? Where is God in the chaos? Where is God in the sin? Where is God two years into a pandemic? Well, Israel's saying, God, you're not there for us anymore. As with Justin... This week, he had a problem with his credit card. And so he did what you're supposed to do. He called the number that's on the back of the credit card. You know where this is going, don't you? And he called and, wait, 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 finally get somebody. Oh, this isn't the right number. Company bought another bank, bought the credit. Okay, try this number. Okay, call, call. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, get somebody problem with the credit card. Okay. Well, we need to verify your information. Well, the information, it's a church credit card. He didn't know some of the tax ID and stuff like that. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Talk, talk, talk. Okay. Eventually get some questions that he can't answer to verify he really is who he is. Oh, but it's a fraud problem. Oh, I'm sorry. Not the right person. I got to send you over here. Okay. Talk to the fraud person. Same questions that he just went through. Can't answer that one. Can't answer that one. This one, this one. Oh, but you didn't answer the first two right. Sorry, I can't help you. End of conversation 40 minutes later. So you've had experiences like that, right? The Israel's saying, God, that's what you're like to us. And I want you to hear, how do you find your way out of that? Verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Oh, people, think again. Haven't you been listening? Haven't you been paying attention? Kings, generals, presidents, rulers, nations, they rise and fall, but God is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. God never gets tired. Did you hear that? He does not faint or grow weary. Think about that. Pretty much everybody here slept some last night. God has never done that. Pretty much Every day, if it's a good day, I take a nap. God has never done that. He does not grow weary. He does not faint. His understanding is unsearchable. Why does that matter? Because we don't understand what's going on. We don't know what this is all about. We can't figure things out, right? God has never had that experience. Ever. God always knows what's going on. He's never confused. He always knows what's right to do. And he always accomplishes what he sets out to do. And what he sets out to accomplish is always good. Always. That's who God is. And so Isaiah is saying, remember, don't, don't forget. Are you paying attention? Let's go back to the basics here. God always knows what's to do. He always has the power to accomplish what he sets out to do. And he's not just out there somewhere. He's here for you. Listen, verse 29. He gives power. You ready? To the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Think about that. Weakness and weariness, do they disqualify you from being loved by God? Are they evidence that God isn't with you anymore? Now do you know what what we're about to learn here? Weakness and weariness position you to experience God's nearness and presence and power in ways that you otherwise never would. Knowing how much we all love weakness and weariness, just hold your applause for that. In, that news and information, but those are the facts of how life in this kingdom works. Look at verse thirty. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. So so we're getting to the idea here that as a follower of God, as a disciple of Jesus, there are things that you are called to do that are actually impossible for you to do on your own. Get it? That's the idea. They're they're so impossible that it it would be like watching the strongest people in the culture come to the end of themselves. Young people, the strongest people, the most healthy people. These, These young men, the idea is these are the picked ones. These are sort of the Navy SEALs of the generation, right? And so the idea is they run out of gas, they fall exhausted. I actually saw an an amazing picture of this. I watched the Women's Olympics uh, cross-country ski race. This, This lady here, her name is Jessie Diggins. You can't tell it from the picture, but she just won the silver medal. And that's what she looked like when she finished the race. Even youths shall faint and be weary And young men and young women, medal-winning cross-country skiers shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. There are resources needed to live the Christian life that you do not have inside of you. You cannot look in your heart and find what you need to do what God has called you to do. You must receive help from the outside. Behold your God. I love the next picture. She needed help too. And so there's a teammate, a partner that comes to Jesse in her exhaustion and wraps her up, props her up, gets her some fluids, starts to warm her up a little bit. We cannot live the life we must live with our own resources. That's actually not a part of the fall. That's actually part of the design from the beginning. From the beginning, human beings were made to live in an actively dependent relationship upon God, the maker of heaven and earth, the creator of the ends of the earth. What does that strength that he gives us empower us to do? We get these three pictures. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You've seen, well, maybe not eagles fly. There aren't a lot of them around here, a few, but at least you've seen the turkey vultures, right? (laughs) Not quite as exciting as an eagle, but they're doing the same thing, right? They You ever seen a hummingbird? Like, that's a lot of work. But those eagles, those hawks, those turkey vultures, they're just riding those thermal drafts because there's strength and power coming from underneath them. And God says, I'll be like that to you. Imagine watching someone who could run a race and never get tired. That's not humanly possible. But in Christ, we can run and not be weary. There's an endurance. There's an imparting of strength to keep going, to take another step. If you want a more mundane picture, it's just walking. And you keep walking and you keep walking. Take one more step. You get out of bed one more day. You bear the fruit of the Spirit a little bit more. It's endurance. It's endurance. See, the challenge is that we live with these weaknesses and limitations, and in a fallen world, we live with suffering and trouble. Who likes these things? We don't like these things. I don't like weakness. I don't like limitations. I don't like suffering. I don't like trouble. You know what I like? I like victory. I like easy. I like comfortable. Right? Don't you? That's how we're wired. But God says, I'll take your weakness and I'll make that the place where you will experience communion with me like never before. And you hear that when people talk about times of suffering. You look at somebody like Johnny Erickson Tata or you hear people talk, just your friends, you sit around in community group, you talk about, People's lives. And you hear people who've gone through great suffering. And how many times have we said or heard, I wouldn't ask for this, I wouldn't wish this upon someone else, but I wouldn't trade what God did there for anything in the world. Why? Because that was a place. It becomes a place of communion with God. It becomes the place Where we experience God's nearness and strengthening power like no place else. That's how it works in a kingdom that's led by who? A crucified Messiah. He was crucified in weakness. And then he says, come follow me. He was raised in power and he says, come follow me and I will be with you. In your weakness to empower you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect when everything's going really great. It's not what it says, is it? I wish it said that. It's not what it says. My power is made perfect in weakness. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day because those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Are you weary this morning? Are you exhausted this morning? You're just the kind of person God is looking for to renew with his presence and power. Take heart, dear one. Where is your how long, O Lord? Where is it in your life? How long, O Lord? Where is that longing for God to come on the scene? Faith, waiting, is what faith does before God's answer shows up. Bring that how long, O Lord, back to the Lord with faith, calling out for renewal. Wait for him. And if you don't know this great and saving God, oh, come as we started the meeting. Come, everyone who thirsts, come. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Come, call upon him while he is near. Come, let the wicked forsake his way. Come to him for new life and renewal. Church, let us be a church that waits on the Lord. Like Mary, Jesus' mother, may we ponder God's words and promises, mixing them with faith. Like Hannah in the Old Testament, may we pray fervent prayers, knowing God hears. Like Joseph in prison, may we know that God is, is with us and faithfully serve the Lord day by day, even when it's grim and hard like Sarah and Abraham, waiting for the child that had been promised, but she'd been through menopause, and he was nearly 100 years old. But they waited with faith, and oh, isn't it sweet that when the baby came, they laughed. Let's keep waiting. Laughter's coming. Joy is coming. Two years into a pandemic, let us wait. Open your Bible Come to him for new strength. Let us wait. Open your heart up to him in prayer. Let us wait. Open your life up to other believers. Let us wait. Open your eyes to the people around you who have no hope of life and strength in Christ. Back to Jessie Diggins. When she collapsed, she was exhausted. She just lay there. It was a little nerve-wracking, except they said this happens. It's like, is she alive? Is she okay? But I want you to notice something. I want you to look at that picture. What do you see there? See that red line? You know what that is? That's the finish line. She finished the race. Brothers and sisters, it's too soon to quit. We're not done yet. Let's fight the good fight. Let's keep the faith. Let's wait on the Lord. It's too soon to quit. Let's be ambassadors for Christ this week. It's too soon to quit. Are you weary and tired? Behold your God. Come to him. Hear the words of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The God who renews us is the same Jesus Christ who knew how to wait on the Lord in his humanity and be renewed. Let us look to Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, Spies in the shame. Let's keep going. Even you shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.